Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Well, hey, if you're listening to this in real time, then you know that we are in the middle of our Firetime Magazine Rapid Reaction series that we always do in between podcast seasons. And as we gear up for season 11 of the podcast, we're filling that space by every single week listening to an audio article from the Firetime Magazine together, and then I hit record and give you my immediate rapid reaction to it. Now, In this week's episode, we're actually going to be dialing it way back to almost a year ago, and we're going to hear an article written by Bill Lentz. Now, Bill has been a guest on this podcast, I think three times, maybe twice though, but we've talked a lot about sales in the past. Bill is somebody that was very influential in my journey with everything that he did together with Tom Pugh with the art of sales and the blueprint for success, And, and I truly look at Bill as like one of the godfathers of sales in our industry. Now, all that to say, Bill wrote an article for the Firetime magazine that came out in the August 2022 issue called Competing Without Losing. And I am super, super excited to listen to this. It's been a long time. It's it's probably been easily 10 months since I've listened to this article. And, and I'm really excited to hear it. So without further ado, I'm gonna hit play. We're gonna listen to this together. And then I'm going to hit record and give you my immediate rapid reaction. Competing Without Losing by Bill Lentz. Competition. My position on competition is a winning one, you'll see. It removes all doubt and brings about the prospect of victory. Whatever the game, it's always the same. A great opportunity to feel the thrill and pitcher's skill to defeat the new enemy. When it's all done, there will only be one to pound his chest and say, I gave it my best when put to the test and won on this wonderful day. To compete is to live, not merely to give in a quiet and humble way. How else to provide a way to divide the blessings for which we would pay? Are the meager spoils and emotions that boil really trophies we want to be making? Can we afford our shield and our sword and ignore our hearts slowly breaking? The answer is true, is it's all up to you to choose the path now worth taking. If you do this right, you won't miss the fight. It's just losing that you'll be forsaking. Yes, I wrote this poem. And yes, I believe competition has the potential to bring out the worst in us. But when practiced consciously, I also know competition can stimulate teamwork, creativity, learning, and social advancement like no other economic blueprint. I was raised in a competitive family environment. My earliest memories are as a four-year-old playing neighborhood games like hide-and-seek, kick-the-can, Simon Says, etc. I cried a lot, but I grew my skills and eventually held my own. Of course, when I was a kid, TV was in its infancy and my family entertained my brother and me with competitive games like Monopoly, Parcheesi, and Checkers. These games compelled us to gain basic reading and math skills before we ever attended school. As the youngest amongst my family and friends, I lost a lot, yet I always seemed to crave the next game. School brought out my competitive side even more. Unfortunately, I found myself vying with my classmates for our teacher's approval over and above learning anything. 
I focused on rapidly achieving end results over studying and taking any real joy in the process of learning. In second grade, for example, our teachers had us write down all the cardinal numbers from 1 to 500 and raise our hands when we were finished. Arithmetic and numbers were my strong suit, and I finished well before anyone else and proudly waved my hand in the air. I won my teacher's smile and approval, but I quickly lost it when she discovered that I had written down 1 through 150 and then skipped to 450 through 500. Shortcut anyone? Alright, I cheated. Sorry. In today's super enlightened Twitter world, the idea of competition has its staunch supporters and its ardent critics. From my simple childhood experiences before the age of 10, it's easy to see how both sides of the debate can feel so passionate. As a young competitor, I suffered defeat, self-doubt, anger, elation, bonding, self-esteem, fun, and excitement. I learned stuff I could successfully apply in other areas of my life. I also succumbed to the temptation to cheat and to value the spoils of victory over and above personal integrity. You live in a competitive environment. If you're reading this, you're likely a proponent who has fared well under competitive conditions. I'll also wager that you've worked with folks over the years that may have lost their way under the very same conditions. In this article, I'll offer some pointers on how to keep the positive benefits of competition flowing while minimizing the pitfalls. Consider the alternative. Full disclosure, I have a bachelor's degree in economics and an MBA from the University of California. Over the past 50 years, I've worked in a wide variety of types and sizes of businesses and not-for-profit organizations. Our competitive private market economy is one way of distributing scarce resources by allowing supply and demand to determine the prices. When supply and demand are not allowed to determine prices, the alternative is to have some form of human intervention that seeks to control which products and services are made available and how they will be distributed. That's it. It's not so complicated. To date, there are not any other alternatives, just little iterations or combinations of the two. Fuller disclosure. What follows is my opinion. It's based on my personal experience and what I believe works best for most people. I don't know everything, and I could be wrong. A new paradigm. I encourage you to look up definitions of the word competition. Ironically, dictionaries often use the word itself to define the concept. Typically, they say something like, competition is the act of competing. Very helpful indeed. Implied in nearly all the definitions is the idea that the ultimate outcome is always a winner and a loser. I think that's an overly simplistic understanding that gives rise to confusion, misconception, and social turmoil. If you're a human, you're blessed with a body and a mind, apparently on a unique and grand adventure in time and space. As your needs and desires arise and are revealed to you, it's quite natural for you to seek to satisfy them. The common term for this activity of desire fulfillment is, quote, going shopping. We all go shopping for everything imaginable, from lovers to licorice. As free beings, we can all be trusted to go about satisfying our desires as quickly and easily as possible at the least cost to us. Likewise, when we attempt to gain the money we need to fund our many shopping trips, we employ the same basic strategies of convenience, speed, and economy. The technical term we use for this creation of wealth is entrepreneurship. Sound familiar? And lastly, the all-inclusive term for quick, easy, and low cost is efficiency. When any outside force limits the freedom of buyers and sellers, efficiency suffers. Often, these mostly well-intentioned restrictions produce unexpected negative consequences. All the problems associated with a competitive free market economy come when we attempt to beat the system by imposing our own limitations on the free exchange of goods and services. Many of us, including me, must wrestle with the temptation to lie, cheat, steal, bribe, and manipulate markets to gain a personal advantage. In the end, we're not left with a free market system. We're left with, well, 
Look around and see for yourself. Into the regulators. Well-meaning people have sought to impose honesty, integrity, equality, and compassion on our system with cleverly devised incentives, codes, regulations, and sanctions. How has that worked out? Those of you who are parents know it's nearly impossible to make your children conform to your wishes with this strategy. In the end, they're going to be influenced a lot more by the example you set than the discipline you enforce. Please don't forget how each new restriction sacrifices some element of our efficiency of resource allocation. I know that there's a way out of this long-standing conundrum. I know it because I've seen it, and I still see it every day. I would even go so far as to say that every legitimate business is an active participant in the solution, at least some of the time. So what, exactly, is everybody doing right? Win-win. As a business owner or employee, creating a win-win environment first and foremost requires an unshakable commitment to doing the right thing. That means doing the right thing takes priority over short-term considerations of personal profitability. Admittedly, the right thing isn't always crystal clear, and mistakes will inevitably be made. But then, mistakes only count as mistakes if you fail to correct them in a timely fashion. Your customers, employees, and suppliers will increasingly support you when they feel confident you won't be enticed by the lure of making a quick buck. Instead of seeing the world as a series of victories and defeats, strive to make your actions promote winning for everyone involved. This is a more modest shift in consciousness that you might imagine. I think you'll discover creating winners all around you will result in the deepest satisfaction that will add immeasurably to your personal prosperity. Finally, I want to offer a very important recommendation that we're all inclined to overlook. Acknowledge yourself. Do it daily when you wake up and before you go to bed at night. Don't expect others to provide you with the positive feedback you'll need to keep motivated. You're not doing the right thing and being a catalyst for the success of others just to win their approval. You're not claiming sainthood. There are no medals handed out for the attitudes and behaviors I'm endorsing. There's only the quiet sense of personal pride and fulfillment reserved for competitors whose intentions and actions serve all. The biggest rewards such competitors accrue are independent of the final outcomes that result. This special echelon of people engaged in conscious competition is not some select few. It's you and me as we are today, awakening to the greater riches our endeavors have always had to offer. Discovering this truth was a blessing to me. I didn't get there by myself. I had many great teachers along the way. But don't just take my word for it. Find out for yourself. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that article by Bill Lentz. Man, I think there's so much good stuff here. You know, he starts it out with a poem. I totally forgot about that. And and if you remember back when we had Bill on to talk about the legacy of Tom Pugh, he actually talked about a poem that he wrote for Tom and, and he read at his funeral. And, it, you know, for as long as I've known Bill, like poetry is something that that he really dives into and takes seriously. And it, was, it was just really cool to, to hear that poem at the beginning. I think that Bill is really onto something when talking about how do we compete without cheapening ourselves and causing ourselves to lose. I, I think that there's something there. What, what, what this whole article really reminded me of is a concept from a book I read a few years ago by Simon Sinek, and, and the book is called The Infinite Game. And essentially, in the book, he details out how there are finite games and there's infinite games. So a finite game is baseball or basketball, right? In basketball, you've got four quarters that are 12 minutes, and when it's over, it's over, right? In baseball, you got nine innings, and when the game's done, it's done. 
But business is an infinite game. It, it keeps going. Now, the way that you win a finite game is you score more points than the other person before the, the time runs out, or you run faster than everybody else across the finish line. But business is not like that. Business is an infinite game. There is no end. It is ongoing. And, and the point that Simon Sinek makes that's really good is that when you are in an infinite game, the reward is that you get to keep playing the game. That's the reward. And, and, and in the book, he talks about some different ways to shift your mindset from a finite game to an infinite game. Now, I mean, I didn't mean to go down this rabbit trail, but it's what, what I thought of as I started, you know, going this way. But one of the, one of the things he talks about is that businesses need to view money as fuel, right? So the purpose of a car is not to have a giant fuel tank in the same way that the purpose of a business is not to have a giant fuel tank. But a car needs a fuel tank of a certain size to get to where it's trying to go. And it's no different in a business. And so the idea is, in order for a business to thrive in an infinite game, it actually has to serve a just cause that's bigger than itself. And then it needs a fuel tank to get there, which is money. It needs an economic engine to take it towards that just cause. But the final point, and this is what circles back to what Bill's talking about, the final point that Simon makes in the book is that in order to improve in an infinite game, a company needs a worthy rival. And this is different than a competitor that you're trying to destroy. A business needs a worthy rival that they can look to and be sharpened by. And, and it's the idea, right, of, say, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade training together in the offseason when they played on different NBA teams. They were worthy rivals. There was a shared level of respect. And there were finite circumstances that they would compete against each other in, but they would train together in the offseason because they were something greater that the two of them were in together. And, and I think that that idea of finding a worthy rival to sharpen you and spur you on in the infinite game is, is something that Bill is really, is really hitting on here. What this also makes me think about, I, I have seen this so often in our industry, people get super cutthroat and they badmouth each other and they try to, you know, slash prices down to nothing for, you know, a tiny piece of market share. I mean, you see this with manufacturers, you see it with, with, you know, a lot of different levels of the industry, but at the end of the day, who does that help? I mean, I've, I've literally even seen certain situations where manufacturers, sales reps undercut each other to win a part of business that the manufacturer already had, you know, and, and you look at that, like that's competing to lose. I mean, that's, that's, that's not helping anybody out. So how can we compete without losing? Well, again, I'm, I'm going to pull in a concept that, that's not from me, but Gary Vaynerchuk talks about how there's two ways to, to look at being the best. Number one is to say, I want to build the tallest building in town. So I'm going to tear down every other building around me so that way mine can be the tallest. The second way is to say, I'm going to build the biggest building in town. Look at how big these other buildings are. I got to find a way to get mine bigger. So I'm going to build the biggest and tallest building that I can. And, and, and I think that that second mentality is the worthy rival mentality that, that there are rivals that we have, right? And it's okay to say, Hey, 
I, I want to build a taller building, right? There's some finite measurement that you might say, yeah, I, I, I want to have more market share or I want to win this account over this other company who has it. But the idea should be that we are in this to stay in the game versus I'm going to tear them down so that they don't have anything left. And, and, and I think that I think that that's what Bill's getting to in this is that the way that we conduct ourselves by not cutting corners, by, by doing things with the customer's best interest in mind, by, by doing things with a just cause in mind, right? And, and our business is the mechanism that, that needs fuel to get us to that just cause. I think that that's how we ultimately compete without losing. So for me, I, I got a ton of value listening to that. I hope that you guys did too. And that you can actually go out and try to apply some of that this week. Again, you know, there are finite measurements in our business. I mean, we all have to make payroll next month. So, you know, we need a finite measurement of getting enough revenue to achieve that. But the difference between a finite game and an infinite game is that in an infinite game, even though there's finite checkpoints along the way, the reward is that we get to keep playing. So I hope that concept resonates with you. And, and if you've been stuck just in that finite mindset where you're just trying to slash and claw and do whatever you can to, to you know, win against everybody else, my hope would be that you could think bigger and that you could make the shift to compete without losing like Bill was talking about. So that's all that I have for this episode. I hope you guys have an amazing week and I'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. I'm all in to burn in. 